his presence in this place. I don't know if you were shocked as I was a few days ago when a woman walked into a public or a private Christian school and opened fire, killing three children and three adults. One of the children was trying to pull the fire alarm to notify the authorities that something bad was happening in the school. The pastor of that Presbyterian church was one of the parents that lost a child. I am sensing in my spirit a very strong disturbance over our nation, one of which I think needs to be addressed and dealt with privately and publicly. I want to talk to you this morning about adulthood, and I want to ask the question, where are the adults? I want you to stand to your feet. I need you to bathe this in prayer. If you have ever shared a Facebook post, now's the moment. I'm going to disturb everyone, every spirit, every woke pastor, every woke church, every transgender on the planet, every gay, every homosexual, every individual that is thinking along those lines, I'm coming after that spirit today. So let us pray. Father, I bless you and I thank you for the beauty of holiness of which none of us have attained in our flesh outside the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for incredible awareness today to understand the season of which we are living as the sons of Issachar who understood the signs of the time. We bless you, Lord, and we ask that all of heaven would come and sit in this place and guard every word, every intent of our heart. But Lord, our first priority is you and you alone, not our feelings, not our thoughts, but you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I read a few weeks ago as this was made aware of on March the 3rd of 2023, an Arizona school board member says districts should reject hiring teachers with Christian values. This is her. I don't know if she's identifying as a cat, K-9, 
cat woman, a furry, I have no idea. On the same week, a Catholic student is arrested and charged after saying men and women are different. This is in our neighbors to the north of Canada. The same week, trans Biden administration official says changing kids' genders will soon be fully embraced. Well, maybe not here, but in your neighborhood it is, and in our city it is, and in our area it is. And here's the reason why. On April 23rd, there's going to be a family fun show at Sexton Hall in Cumming, Georgia, within driving distance of our. I've investigated this and looked into it. I'm still waiting on a strategy from the Holy Ghost to how to deal with this but not on our watch, not in our neighborhood. Oh, they may do it, but they'll know that we don't approve of it. Pentagon doctors who should be taking care of our soldiers with PTSD have now entered the fray of trying to figure out that it may be just okay for a seven-year-old to have puberty blockers. I've not sided with atheists much, but I think I have found a new friend. Richard Dawkins, who's one of the premier atheists around the world today, does not believe in God. One of the brightest minds, if you could say that in a secular way, declares there are only two sexes as a matter of science. And he says, that's all there is to it. Touch your neighbor and say, that's all there is to it. He added that the LGBTQ is looking to discredit the reality of two biological sexes are pushing utter nonsense. Less than two weeks ago, this happened. This video, which I will not show you, a drag queen straddling a student at an LGBTQ pride event at a North Carolina school. This is a man dressed up as a woman with full genitalia as a man straddling a girl. And what amazes me is not the act itself, but the individuals along the wall doing absolutely nothing.
In the real world, this is sexual assault. When you put your stuff on somebody else, that is a sexual crime. Y'all just kind of let me know when we get kicked off Facebook. Just kind of let me know here in a moment because it's coming in just a few moments. YouTube's coming after us. Just give me a thumbs up back there, Donald, whenever we come off the thing, all right? But this right here is an absolute, absolute crime. Go try this on your local bus, on MARTA. Just walk up to someone and say, you know what, I'm identifying as a girl today, so when I touch you and feel you and get stimulated by this act, don't be offended by it because this is who I am today. I want to ask the question, on this most sacred moment that we're gathered here today, where are the adults? An adult is someone that's self-sufficient and responsible. I want to know where the grown-ups are. I want to know where the grown-ups are in coming Georgia. For Scythe County that has opened up their venue to host a perverted, wicked, ungodly, unhealthy, demoralizing, dehumanizing event, all in the name of equality and inclusion. Where are the guardians? the overseers? Where are the fathers of the community? Where are the wise among us? I want to know where's the outrage. I want to know where are the ones that should know better. Where are the ones that are here to protect our children? the most impressionable, vulnerable of our society. We're the smart people. I'm not talking about educated. I could care less how many degrees you have. You may be educated. It doesn't mean that you're smart. Where are the bright people? The keen, the aware, the insightful, the rational. I, you know, it wasn't long ago that adult, adults agreed, Hollywood agreed, the masses agreed that a child should not see a PG movie without a parent being present. And there may have just been a few cuss words, suggestions of nudity, limited skin showing. I tried to get into PG movies, but there was a wise person at the ticket booth. Where's your parent? 
And they said the content of the movie is not suitable for younger children or younger individuals, for younger audience. They stepped it up and then they put a rating called R-rated. And you had to be 17 to attend. And again, a few cuss words, a little bit more flesh being seen, maybe a sexual scene on the screen. In the United States in 1971, a minor is generally legally defined as a person under the age of 18. However, in the context of alcohol and purchasing a gun, that person is considered a minor until the age of 21. If you're not an adult, you are considered a minor. Minors cannot and should not be allowed to make major decisions. I want to say that again. A minor cannot and should not be allowed to make major decisions. But we've lost our mind. I asked the question, where are the adults? Minors cannot buy a drink until you're 21. A minor cannot vote until they're 18. A minor cannot join the military until they're 18. They can't even walk to the convenience store and buy a lottery ticket for five bucks. They can't get body piercings or a tattoo without parental consent. You can't even go to PetSmart and buy a pet until you're 18. You cannot even sign a legal contract. You can't change your name, open a brokerage account. You cannot buy stock. You can't even book a hotel room on Expedia. You can't become a realtor. You can't enter an adult store, adult-only store, work in a bar, serve drinks. You can't even sign yourself out of high school. You can't be called for jury duty, open a bank account, have sex legally with someone. You can't even get a co uh, legally with someone over 18. You can't get a, co a Costco card, dear Lord. <laughs> you can't drive a taxi, you can't give blood, and you can't rent an apartment. We have deemed that these decisions are just too important to let someone under 18 make those choices.
Romans chapter one is our text. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. I need you to take your pen out. I need you to underline a couple of words, suppress the truth. Touch your neighbor and say, suppress the truth. We're entering into a time of where we, it is unprecedented how truth is being suppressed. And here's why, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile. I want you to write this down, futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. There you go. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now, I'm going to show you something. This right here defines creeping. When a man looks like a snapping turtle with white hair, this is creepy. The others look like a rodent, a bulldog. This is creepy. Am I being critical? Yes. Am I angry? Oh, just a little bit. I'm turning some tables over this morning. I, I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my spirit. Oh, it gets worse. Therefore, verse 24, God gave them over to a debased mind. Do you see it? God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. To dishonor their bodies. Who exchanged the truth for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to a vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one for another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, 
strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, inventors of evil. Think you haven't seen anything yet. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteousness judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but do also approve of those who practice them. Don't miss the last part, those that do them and those that approve of them. It's not just who dresses up like a, a man or a woman or who's entertaining homosexuality or being lesbian, being gay, being a fornicator, being an adulterer. God says, I'm not only going to deal with those that do it. I'm coming after those that approve it. The city of coming put me on notice here as I put you on notice. You have been blessed with great favor and prosperity. You are opening up your doors to evil of which you have not yet known and spiritual wickedness that will hover over your city and your city and your county will become a cesspool of all types of debauchery and wickedness. And you'll look back 10 years later and wonder where it all went wrong. Now, somehow, people have come to the conclusion through sudden enlightenment, and if you will, a brilliant idea has hit this planet, not just here in America, but literally all over the world, that people now strongly believe and are convicted of this, of, of, of this thought that an eight-year-old who can't vote, who can't drive, who can't rent an apartment, can't check out of school, can all of a sudden have the cognitive and mental development and wherewithal to be able to decide, I look like a girl, but today I want to be a boy, so give me the puberty blockers that I need. And what is worse than them coming to that conclusion are the educators that think that that is a good idea and will not, in some cases, if not most, notify the parent. I'm going to go on record and say something, and I may get in a lot of trouble for this, but I'm okay. Some of our teachers in our public school system, God bless the believers, God bless those that are doing the very best that they can, praying, seeking God, loving God. You don't approve of any of this. But some of our educators in the administrative level and on the classroom level and policymakers are committing acts of crime. If a medical doctor abuses you and there's malpractice or does something to you that you did not approve, they can be sued they can lose their medical practicing license. If a lawyer 
violates his ethics and codes, he or she could be disbarred. I want some of you to know that some of you teachers and administrators are committing criminal acts against children by encouraging them to harm themselves and to take medicines that are scientifically and medically approved, listen, medically proven are not good for a child to take. And here you are as a counselor or as a therapist or as an educator telling a nine-year-old they need to have these puberty blockers that medically and scientifically are not proven to be beneficial to a child. In fact, they are harmful. When are the sheriffs in our counties, when are the police officers going to walk into our public high schools and demand, stop this nonsense, you are hurting, you are destroying the lives of young people. When are the Board of Education the administrators, when are you going to wise up and say this is not scientifically or medically proven to be advantageous? Some of you need to be arrested, thrown in jail. You are harming our children. Now, just because you have a thought that it's okay for a child to be transgender, to be gay. I'm not talking about if you have a fault. I am talking about, or even if you agree with it, I am talking about you are, you are promoting an agenda and promoting a change in this child's life. That eight-year-old don't even know if, if, if I'm going to play with a blonde-headed doll today or a brunette colored doll. Am I going to play with Xbox today or not today? But yet you want to say, you know what? We want to, you feel like you're a boy today or a dog today or a cat today. Let me get you a litter box. Just pee right here in the middle of the classroom. We're okay with it. We're just helping you discover who you are. To God in heaven, where are we? Please quote me right Some of you need to be, listen, you're a danger to our children. We send them to, for you to educate them, not to indoctrinate them. That's my job. I'll parent them. I'll work through their issues. I don't need your political agenda. I don't need you brainwashing my child because he has a disturbance and, and you're still confused about your sexuality. Just do the reading, writing, and arithmetic. I'll take care of his puberty issues. I'll take care of whether or not she's identifying of this and that and the other. I'll work through that. So here we go. So will there be a change? Hmm. Will there be a change? Um, no. Now listen to me. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, when will the end time be? 
He says, it's going to be like the days of Noah and the giving and the taking, the perversion, the mistrust, the abuse of power, the hate, the anger, the murder, the violence. And Jesus did not step in and say, oh, it's always going to get, it's going to get better. He did give them a warning. His warning was, don't be deceived. See, some of us are good Bible-believing people, but because your neighbor is kind and they have a child that's confused, or you have a cousin or you have a relative that now is identifying as, as gay or he or she is gay, and now because they're nice and they're kind and they're gentle, you're thinking, Certainly, I've never met a more loving individual than this person. So it must be okay. They're kinder than Christian people. And you have to make sure that you do not base your values and your morals on feelings and what's going on around you because there's deception happening all around us. Our book is our standard. The Bible is our guide. Well, I just don't see that God, that is a God of love, would disapprove if they're in a loving, monogamous relationship with someone, even though it's their own sex. And, and again, we're deceived. Because I just read for you Romans chapter 1. I could read other scriptures that talk about this. And people say to me, is there hope for America? And I... And, and, I can give you the church answer. I can give you the positive, pump me up, make me feel good answer. Is there hope for America? Can I just be completely transparent for you at this moment? I, I'm going to tell you what I think, and I'm, and I'm not talking by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm not saying by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm just telling you what I think. I think no. I think we have, I think we have come to the place of where God says, I have given them over to their vile passions, to their debased minds. And so now this is the beauty of it. The silver lining is this is the opportunity for the kingdom of God to be the kingdom of God in the midst of the deepest darkness we've ever known. In Matthew 24... He did not tell them to panic, but he said, prepare. Will there be splotches, outpourings, revivals in our nation? Yes, there's one here. But the building is on fire. And for all practical purposes, we are so far down the road that the building is lost. Now, I'm not being negative. God can, there could be something, but I'm just telling you what I sense. The soul of America is lost and beyond repair. And to God, it's never been about institutions and nations. God owes America nothing. God will survive without America. 
but America is learning that it will not survive without God. Kings come and kings go. Empires come and empires go. It's the people. History will reveal to us. Now, we do not like this because we've been prosperous in the Christian, in the Christian vein in America, right? Christianity in its purest form always comes to the top in the moment of national and international crisis. The structure of our country is collapsing. It's collapsing. We now are in search for survivors. We're not trying to put out the fire. Now we're in search for survivors. We're here to rescue those who want rescuing. Why do I say that? I'll give you three reasons. One, maybe four. We are losing and have lost to a great degree, the judicial system of our country. Far too many judges, now there are great ones out there, wonderful ones, do not judge and render and base judgments based upon the law or constitution. They are governed and influenced by political ideology, not by rule of law. Secondly, we have lost our educational system. We've lost it. I thank God for every believer, every, no, not every believer. I thank God for every practicing Christian that's in the educational system. I thank God for you. Bless your heart. Thank you for being the light in the midst of darkness. Thank you for speaking truth. Doing all that you know you can all that you can do to help. But our educational system is the number one influencer of minds. A school system gets to choose the curriculum that our kids get to learn from. And if you have been acute to what is happening in our culture, you know that they are picking and have picked curriculum that degrades the very moral fabric of this nation. It's the number one influencer of our minds, from the local school boards, to the elementary school, the middle school, junior high schools, the high schools. We've lost them, we've lost our colleges. Yale, Harvard, Brown, all birthed in revival fire. They're producing a worldview that is regulated by feelings. And it's hyper anti-Christian. Did you see how the script flipped 
when that 28-year-old girl killed the three children and the three adults. They did not want to make it about a mentally disturbed person walks into a room and kills. They wanted to make it, and they were mad because the police officers identified her as a girl and not the pronoun that she wanted to be known as. If you do not believe me, Nashville school shooting, journalist mock prayer, drag show ban after Christian school massacre. Left-wing sports writer Mike Wise seemed to agree with a tweet that sympathized with a transgender shooter who police say attended the school as a child for being a victim of intolerant brainwashing through religious indoctrination. Progressive talk show host David Pakman mocked the Christian school for not praying enough. Very surprising that there would be a mass shooting at a Christian school given the lack of prayers often blamed for these horrible events. Is it possible they weren't praying enough or correctly despite being a Christian school? ABC News journalist Terry Moran said, accused blaming Christians and Republicans after the highlighted how, um, how he highlighted how Tennessee banned transgender medical care for minors as well as the law that prohibited adult entertainment including male and female impersonators after a series of drag show controversies in that state. What are we to do? We are here to wake up. And to know that we're living in a moment that we have lost completely educational system and there is no getting it back. You have to understand that. There is no getting it back. It is too entrenched. It took them three decades to get where they are and Christians are too impatient. Does that mean that we need to leave and to vacate? No, I'm telling you that the decision makers and the people that are in power have already indoctrinated at every level and we're not getting it back. We've lost and are losing judicial systems. We've lost our educational system. And I'm gonna say this one, we have lost our pulpits. God has lost the pulpit. Only 37% of church pastors have a biblical worldview. Sixty-three percent do not have a biblical worldview. Here's a biblical worldview. Number one, write it down. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. Number two, 
God is the all-powerful and knowing creator of the universe. Number three, salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. Number four, Satan is real. Number five, a Christian has the responsibility to share their faith in Christ with other people. And number six, the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. Sixty-three percent of pastors behind pulpits this morning do not believe that. This is a scientific study done by Barner Research. This is not someone just pulling this fact out of the, or, or, or these, these statistics just out of a hat. This is what has happened in America from our pulpits. of all communicators of the gospel in America do not believe that the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings, that it's fluid, it's developing, it's transitory, it's evolving. You see how they're doing with our Constitution? Okay, you you see, it's not for today. It was for them in 1776. Times have changed. We're more, we're brighter today. We're smarter today. We have different issues today. And so they undermine the Constitution that's saying it's not applicable for today. They're also saying through the same thing of the Word of God. Any document that is authoritative, they want to render powerless because it removes the obstacles and they can have freedom to do whatever they want to do based upon feeling and not upon law. Are you with me? Are you okay? All right, we've lost our pulpits. Because 37% of pa- or 63% of pastors who don't believe this, 17% of all congregation members that go to church don't believe this. So I should say it this way, 83% of all people in the church don't believe this. Only 17% of Christians believe this. Oh, go ask people. Is it okay if, if, you, if your son's gay, gets married? Oh, it's okay. They love each other. God's okay with that. He's a God of love. Well, what does the Bible say? God is love. God would never condemn us, harm us, make us feel bad. Well, your, your child's trying to identify as a dog today. Do you think there could be a problem with that? Oh, no, he's just expressing himself. God wants him to be him. God wants him to be happy.
the most influential person in the city is not our administrators, our mayor, our city council people, but it's the pastor. And because the pulpits of America are backslidden, the church is backslidden, and our nation is backslidden. No other person in the city talks to more people at one time other than the pastor. There is not a public official today, this week, will speak to more people than what the local pastors are speaking to today. Think of the people that are in this room. Young, old, firemen, business owners, those that are sleeping in their car, and those who have multiple homes. The minimum wage worker to the millionaire. There's a mechanic in this room and a football coach in this room. All under the same roof listening to the same word sitting in the same building. Perhaps beside you is a doctor. Perhaps beside you is a detention officer. An elementary teacher next to an electrician. A single mom next to an elderly widower. No person has a greater influence upon the culture than the pastor. And we've dropped the ball. We too have become woke, afraid, caught up in the euphoria of the air. We're fearful of losing people. All of a sudden, your biggest donor comes to you and says, I never would have thought it in a million years, but my son is gay. And because that's your biggest donor, that topic is now off limits. You've been friends with that guy for a lifetime, so you cannot and should not say anything that would make him feel bad or uncomfortable or be offensive toward his son. So you dance around the issue and you never address the issue. And then therefore your whole congregation thinks, well, it must be okay. And our silence gives you the ability to be educated by outside means and voices. The spirit of the air. And so you hear this preacher say it, you hear this big megachurch say it, and you hear this guy say it, and, you, and, and it sounds good, and it sounds like honey dripping off of their lips, and, and, and there's these allowances and con, you know, condolences and all of this. You know, we're sorry for that the church has offended you and made you mad. We're weird people. Church people are weird. We're bigoted. Oh, these clobber verses. You know, oh, we're here about inclusion. And we're progressive, we're, we're for you. 
You can serve in our church and you can take care of kids. We, we want you to discover who you are. We want you to fulfill your destiny. If that means that you identify as this, then we're all for you. So the whole church is able to develop their mindset based upon secular rather than the word. See, as I'm standing here, there's a doctor, there's a dentist, there's a lawyer, there's a mechanic, there's a home builder, there's a painter, there's an electrician, there's a coach. Can you imagine if all of us get revived on fire, biblical worldview, give our lives to it, lay our lives down, how as a father it trickles to my children and my children get on fire, then it trickles down to their friends that go, man, you're different. You don't cuss like you used to. You don't act like you used to. And then, watch this, the owner of the business now can say, hey, we're going to have Bible studies. You hear what I'm saying? And all of a sudden now, he's given a strong biblical worldview. Then there's this, this coach that says, hey, we're going to pray together, and let me just give you a devotion before, I, before we run through the, you know, and all of a sudden, we trickle down through society. No other individual in this city influences more people than the local pastors in this area. We have to get this right. It matters where you go to church. Touch somebody and say it matters where you go to church. People say to me, and I, and I close with this, people say to me, We've got an identity crisis in our nation. How many sermons have you heard about identity? Got to find out who our identity is. Identity. Got to be. Got to have your identity. Got to know who you are. That may be the problem. Self-discovery. We just want you to be you. In our culture, identity is invaded the church. Identity is everything in the church. You hear how many sir, we you gotta find out your identity. Let's just tap the brakes for a moment. We do have an identity problem, but it's not with us. I know who I am. I am I am a sinner, I am lost, I, I am debased. I at times I, I want to do what I want to do, my flesh is in control. I know exactly where my problem lies. The problem is, is that we don't have the proper perspective of who we are. We do not have a proper perspective of who he is. Yeah, we got an identity issue in the church, and it's not about discovering us, our gifts, our destiny, our purpose, but it's about who is this God that created us? We don't know him. We don't understand him. We really don't know his true essence. So then we're left alone to figure it out. So we will create a God in our own image according to Romans chapter 1, the one that likes us, the one that approves of us, the one that pats us on the back. So there has to be this inversion, if you will. we got to turn this thing back upside down and get reacquainted with the God of the book, the God of the Bible, what God said about issues, where God stands on items. We need to have... 
a class that teaches us about the identity of God. Not the identity of Todd, but the identity of God. Who are you? You are holy. You are feared to be feared, to be awed, and to be reverenced, and to bow down to. You are righteous in every way. You are not like a man that can lie. Your feelings do not change one way or the other. You are God and God alone. The judge of the universe. Who breathed life into man. Molded him from the dirt. Young people, stop the nonsense of trying to discover your sexuality and who you are. If you are born as a boy, you are a boy. If you are born as a girl, you are a girl. Find your, listen, find the identity of God, not created in your image, in your likeness, but created to discover him and who he is. Well, I don't know. I need counseling. He's called the wonderful counselor. I just need peace in my life. I'm in turmoil. He's called the prince of peace. I don't have a male role model. I'm confused. He's called father. My Lord Jesus. John 17, Jesus said, this is eternal life to know you, the only true God. You see, here's the purpose of life, not God trying to figure you out and you trying to figure yourself out and and trying to figure everybody else out. If we will just start with God, begin with God and end with God to know God, then, then everything else becomes crystal clear because we don't have him right, because we don't understand him correctly, then we're all confused. Jeremiah 9 says, let not a man boast that he is wise or strong, but that he knows God. If we talked about this enough, we wouldn't have these issues. But pastors have not talked about this. So Families get up and walk out, not today, but they walk out of a sermon like this. Well, I'm offended. I'm mad. He hurt my little one's feelings. He doesn't know the struggles we're going through. I'm not being insensitive. I'm not being careless. I'm not being reckless. I am doing my highest duty. If there is a bridge that is out in front of you, and you are on the way to tumble off into your own death, it is the preacher's responsibility to cry out and say, the bridge is out, the bridge is out. Stop, turn around, don't proceed, put it in reverse, go the other way. This way leads to destruction. Your Bible says there's a way that we think is right that leads to life, but it ends up in destruction. What do we have to do, church? We got to wake up. I believe and I hope that this thing can be reversed, but I, in my innards, in my insides, depth of my soul, I think we have passed the point of no return. We can slow down the destruction. 
It will take a woke church. Not one that picks up the mantle of the grievances of society. But the ones that said, God, we've been slumbering far too long. We have been asleep far too long. This is not going to get better by burying your head in the sand. There is one remedy and only one for the ailments and the vileness of our nation. It is not Jesus alone. It is Jesus inside his church that is the light of the world, that is the salt of the earth. It is the city sitting on top of the hill. You cannot biblically, accurately ask Jesus to fix this without you. He will not fix this without us. You are, I am, according to 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Christ on the earth. What he does now, he does through his people that are completely and totally surrendered to him. This is why he calls us to prayer. This is why he calls us to intercede. This is why he calls us to corporate gatherings to cry out against the sins of society and begging for the mercy and the power of God to come down upon us filled with compassion, filled with grace, filled with mercy, but filled with resolve, knowing that the bridge is out and there's nothing that God's going to do to change it unless God's people stand up and warn the people, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life eternal. I just want to know how many of you believe what I'm saying in this house? How many of you are in agreement with what I'm communicating? Then I expect every single one of us in this house tomorrow night to join us in prayer. I, I expect all of us, if we're concerned about the morality of our nation, our school systems, the depravity, I expect every young person, every teenager, every staff member at 6 o'clock to join us in prayer and cry out to God with angst and with anguish in our spirit, weeping because of where we are. Don't tell me that you're concerned and don't pray with us. Don't tell me that you're concerned about our, your young people and you don't gather with prayer with us. Don't tell me that that's just empty rhetoric, that's empty talk. Well, Pastor, you don't know. Well, I'm busy. You're going to find yourself so busy. You're going to look up one day and say, Dear God, how did all this get off the rails? I'm telling you, the only remedy for America is prayer. If my people who call by my name will humble themselves and get on Facebook and argue, <laughs> complain, I can't believe them, does nothing. It adds fuel to their fire. See, I told you they're bigoted. I told you they're transphobic xenophobic I told you 
adjust all of our schedules around corporate prayer. Because it may be in corporate prayer that the light comes on in your daughter, your son, your cousins, your nephews, mind. I battled for you here. The confusion is now gone. Let me tell you this. Our children that are confused with who they are sexually, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it straight into that camera, and you guys listen. Many of these kids are being demonically influenced. They are under the influence of a demon. I didn't say they're demon-possessed. The spirit of the air is all about confusion. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion. So how do we battle that? Popping in church once a week? Go, pastor. Let's get it done. We're behind you. James 4 says, stop your laughter. Stop your rejoicing. And mourn. And weep. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Submit to God. And he will draw near. Father, all I've known to do, Lord, I think I've done all that you've given me. I bless you, Lord. Would you raise up a praying people. Lord, would 200 of us gather tomorrow, 300 of us gather tomorrow to seek your face and to turn from our wicked ways so that you can hear. You'll forgive our sin and heal our land. This is our only hope. The only hope humility and prayer going after God and turning from our sin that's what you've given me to do I will not do two of the four I'll not do one of the four but God I'll do all four to the best of my ability with your spirit's help I'll make this a commitment of my life Dawsonville be saved. May Cumming be saved. May Gainesville be saved. May Lumpkin County be saved. Pickens County be saved. Gordon County be saved. Cherokee County be saved. Alpharetta, Lord Jesus, DeKalb, may it be saved. Yeah, Gwinnett County be saved. Go ahead and call your county out. Some of you from out of state, go ahead and call it. Lord, may it be saved. Ha, we love you, Lord. Yeah, here we go. Let's pray right now. 60 seconds.
Come to the altar quickly. Come to the altar. Let's fill it up right now. Come to the altar. Let's seek his face. Just another minute or two. Come on. Come on, Dad. Lead your wife. Lead your children to the altar. Come. Let the anguish of the Lord come upon us. Let the, the anguish of soul come upon us. Where are those that travail in prayer right now for the soul of our city and the soul of our nation, for our educational system, our judicial system, our pulpits? Awaken us, O God. Come on, come on, keep praying, keep praying. Come on, church, all of us across the building, front to back, all of us pray. Lord Jesus, revival and awakening to our land, oh God. We know the building's on fire, but God, rescue, oh God. Rescue, oh God. Save our churches. Save our schools. Save our educational system, Lord. Save our judicial system. Come on, one more minute, we're done. Out of your belly. Come on, saints. Come on, church, pray. We're at war right now. We're at war. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. Say whatever's in your heart. Just cry out for mercy for your children, your children to come. Pray for the educators right now that are believers. All that are practicing Christians, pray for them. Oh, God. Oh, God. Revival to our schools. Lord, our Board of Education members. Lord, revival. Let them say no. Let them say no. Let them say no. Oh, God, and yes to you. It will not be a training ground for pedophiles, Lord. It will not be, Lord, a training ground for sexualism and perversion. Lord, no more. No more, Lord. Let it implode. 
need be. Let it implode if need be. Raise up Christian schools, God. Raise up Christian schools, oh God. Raise up Christian schools, oh God. Raise them up. Charter schools, God. All right. He's here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now listen to me. Everybody listen to me. I don't know if Levi Lutz is in the building. Levi, are you here? Are you anywhere in the building? I think he was trying to make it this morning. Just flew in. Okay, he not, he's not here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Levi tonight, right now. Levi was a personal assistant to Steve Hill, who preached through the Brownsville Revival. Levi Lutz carries an anointing on his life. He's an evangelist. He works with Daniel Kalinda runs their school. Be here tonight. There's there's something amazing in this atmosphere right now. Get here tonight, five o'clock prayer. Get here early. Now, second of all, I travel to Michigan tomorrow. I will join you in prayer in Michigan in a, in a, in a room as I do when you pray and I'm traveling, I'm with you. I watch you. I pray with you. Tomorrow night at six, please come. Not just don't just make it. Well, I got to go because Pastor Warren. Make it your lifestyle. Just once a week, come with us and pray. Pace yourself. You understand what I'm saying? If you can come two, come three, come five, come to them all. But Mondays and Saturdays are the keys. Number, whatever number I'm on. Three, I guess. Pray for me. I went way out there today. I will get pushback from this. I'm not concerned about the pushback. I'm concerned about the pressure on you. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're affiliated here. I need you to pray for me. Pray for Karen, my children. Our daughter-in-laws, our baby to come. Pray. Pray for one another. We will not bow the knee. We will not bow the knee. We will not kiss the ring. We will not kiss the ring. So Lord, bless your wonderful people. This army that you have raised up. Mm -hmm. Solidify us, Lord. Make us strongest. Help us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, thank you guys. I'll see you tonight at 5.